and welcome to another episode of Faith and Honor. I'm Father Bart Gingrich. If you like the show, we always like you to share or give us a good review. Also, if you want to support us on Patreon, subscribe star, you can do that. Today, we are continuing our proper podcast series through the uh, propers and colics of the Christian year. And joining me is Father Richard Tarsitano. Father Tarsitano, how are things in Indiana? Oh, there, Jim Dandy. Thank you. Um, today, we're going to do Rogation, uh, Rogation Tide. And if you could read us the proper and uh, the collect and then the propers uh, for that day, that'd be great. Absolutely. Let us pray. Almighty God, Lord of heaven and earth, we beseech thee to pour forth thy blessing upon this land and to give us a fruitful season that we, continually receiving thy bounty, may evermore give thanks unto thee in thy holy church. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The portion of the scripture pointed to the epistle is written in the 34th chapter of Ezekiel, beginning at the 25th verse. I will make with them a covenant of peace, and will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land, and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing, and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing, and the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land, and shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bands of their yoke, and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves of them, and they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, Neither shall the beast of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen any more. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men. And I am your God, saith the Lord God. He read at the epistle. Holy Gospel was written in the 11th chapter of St. Luke, beginning at the 5th verse. Jesus said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give as, as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? All right. Fascinating day, Rogation. Actually, it's not just a day. 
<laughs> these are days. <clears throat> days. And they're leading up to Ascension Day. So um, how do we explain this? First of all, Rogare, um, to ask for. Uh, interrogation comes from this, from this That's word. Right. And this is asking for, asking of God, particularly through Christ as mediator. Yes. And yeah, go ahead. Which I say, which we'll get into with the epistle and and or and, and gospel. That's really exactly. Key. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You're absolutely yeah. right. Kind of um, days of solemn supplication to God. Yes. And there's a there's a very interesting logic with regard to why it happens before ascension. Um the other thing that is interesting are the f- sort of folk customs around Rogation Day. <laughs> yes. Do you want to share some of those? I have a few that I like to highlight, but my favorite one, um, and is a spe- and interestingly the continuity. So, so the Rogation days um, uh, uh, go back into mystic memory um, to about the 400s, the earliest that they really start to be really that sort of the pattern of having the three days before um, Ascension Day, um, which you can include. We of course, you know, think of Easter five that Sunday as being sort of the Rogation Sunday, uh, and the prop is very much m- match the feeling of this. Um, and so in, in the older prayer books that didn't have these propers, you would essentially just carry over the the Easter five propers through uh, and the collect and, and, and epistle and gospel match up for that that idea of the of praying for fruitful seasons and a good harvest. Um, and it's actually really important, um, even through the Reformation, uh, Elizabeth and her royal injunctions in the Elizabethan period specifically um, protects um two things that i think are most synonymous in my mind anyway with with rogation days um processions of the litany um again the the solemn supplication of the church our our our, our prayers of of supplication uh communally um and also uh, a great one uh, the beating of the bounds um yes. which is fantastic um and which i keep threatening at our own parish to bring back um and and we will i believe we'll we'll try to do it this year um, but again, for those who have no idea what that is, it was essentially um, people walk around with sticks um, and you create sort of a memory of the boundaries of, of the parish and the lands. Uh, it's connected in with the, the whole idea in Deuteronomy of landmarks and that sort of idea. Um, but one of the more fun aspects of it was, <laughs> I suppose it depends on who you are, if you're the hitter or the hitty, um, was young boys would be given sort of a, 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 mus- a memory of this um, by you would tap the boys to remind them so they would grow up and be sort of a living representatives and living witness to the boundary lines of properties in the parish um including also standing up on their heads and like having them go down on uh, hitting the stones and things um so yeah there's a lot of fascinating little things that go in with that uh and and folk traditions those are my two that i i'm i'm most aware of yeah, and it's very interesting because being a bounce actually had a function uh beyond just the day de- the feast day um, right because it actually in a world before plentiful maps, um, yes. it was a way to instill to the next generation the property lines and, and inheritances of different people. They needed to know whose land was whose. You know, we right. we live. I even remember as a child, my father telling me where the property line is for our house between our neighbors and theirs, so that I would stay in our yard. Um, but back then, this was a kind of big way to do that in a more agricultural society. There's this picture of utter dependence on God, as yeah. well as um, stewardship and ownership 
of um, uh, property, really, of right. uh, stewardship, profit of others, which is given by God for our care. And so there's there's a theology going on here of God. All all good comes from God, and ultimately we are answerable to Him, and He blesses us with these things. And yet, when something is entrusted to someone, you do not steal it. It is not to be taken right. from them. They are not to be disinherited or dispossessed. Um, and they're they are in charge of that. Um, that's that property over which right. they can steward and dispose as they wish. And so there's this very, um, it's built so deep into our culture now. We we don't even it's it's like describing wetness to a fish. <laughs> um, but it, we've forgotten the the theological side of God giving it. But then we can think in terms of thou shalt not steal, and then the full manifestations of that, particularly as as seen in in uh, land. Uh, land, not just money in a bank account or abstract things, but they, you know, land is fruitful and produces things. It can you can graze um, livestock on it. You can uh, have lumber or agricultural crops. All sorts of things you can do with the land, but you are uh, it's yours to be taken care of. You are answerable for what you do with it, but it is not to be stolen from you. Yeah, I think, and that's, and all of that is superintended by the church as the representative of God, right? Yeah. So that's a really key, important aspect of it. That I think the stewardship is is very, very good. That we have dominion over a space, um, but that is a temporary stewardship given to us by God. And having the church have an actual ceremony where we go out and remember that that this is all overseen by the God who gives us all things. Um, and I did. I mentioned Deuteronomy. Um, I, thinking through the litany, obviously something that that is was prescribed for the rogation days, um, also made me bring my mind uh, to the uh, accommodation, which specifically mentions as one of the curses. Um, obviously, pulling from Deuteronomy, that cursed is he that removeth his neighbor's landmark, um, being one of the things that every Ash Wednesday and in 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 the. Uh, 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 in, in the Incan way would have been reminded to people of that. Um, uh, so that 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 works in and through and with um, this idea of the importance of, uh, of, of, of the church watching out for inheritances and stewardship and land and what comes from it. Right. Um, we can work on from there. I think we'll, we'll go to the collect to kind of explore that more. Because we see yes. God as Dominus, um, the one with dominion over heaven and earth. And also the one from whom we seek blessing. So pour forth thy blessing upon this land and give us a fruitful season. Um, something we forget is how dependent we actually are on good weather, uh, rains, lack of disease and mildew and locusts you know, pestilence because of how artificial our life is. Yes. Are, are so many people, uh, so few people do the farming now uh, and farming is actually becoming increasingly mechanized. And so few actually have contact with that, um, that we we've lost the, the sense of dependence and vulnerability. We just think, Oh, bread will always be there. Um, eggs will always be there. Uh, milk will always be there. And that's not true. No. Um, we're still just as in need of basic things. We're just less aware of it. 
That's right. I mean that that's been a fascinating, you know, uh, in in my own personal understanding of the food chain, moving from Florida, uh, particularly Northeast Florida, here to Indiana, um, where we're surrounded by farms and surrounded by people who farm, um, and how you know if it doesn't rain for uh, um, um, for a few weeks, um, people are very very worried about their very livelihoods. Right. Um, it's it's hard even just to make ends meet in these farms. Um, and you're, we're right. In our modern world, we can get very disconnected from that um, and just expect Kroger to have all the things we need all the time. Um, I think some ways this inflation crisis sort of rolling through things and suddenly eggs are really, really expensive or this is really expensive has given us some taste of what a world would look like um, um, that, you know, this isn't the end of history, that we could have a return to scarceness um, if if the right things happen in the future. Um, and so we, we haven't figured everything out. And there is a great necessity um, for continuing to recognize our utter dependence upon the providence of God. And that's what's interesting. What undergirds this is the providence, um, is providence. And so Mikhail goes on to say that we constantly receiving thy bounty may evermore give thanks unto thee. Yes, my holy church. So our response to receiving all the blessings that come from God uh, is thanksgiving, whatever blessings those may be, no matter how little it may be, how paltry right. it may be, because it, you can, if you are still alive, even if it's a very hungry time uh, and a time of scarcity, that you had enough to get through the day is something to be thankful for. That you have, um, you know, breath in your lungs still is something to be thankful for. Even at that level, right? And, you know, we pray every day for our daily bread. Um, and uh, it, it it comes to us um, by the grace of God and every single time. So, yes, indeed. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because um, I think of, of kind of, again, our artificial world, um, there's a lot to be thankful for. But also the strange kind of uh, despair or meaningless or ennui that we have, a lot of that has to do with spiritual decisions, but um, all the existential crises we have and how that contrasts with the very, very difficult life that others face, especially in previous generations without so many comforts and conveniences, um, that they were able to soldier on and persevere and um uh, still have a real life and it contrasts with despite all of our comforts and needs being met we so many of us don't think life is worth living uh it's a very um sort of troubling idea mm -hmm. to think about that's kind of the cultural trend and rogation helps us refocus our attention on how uh, we should actually be we have a life worth living but it is also a lot more uh, fragile than we may think as well. Um, and so that's it's interesting. There's a meaningfulness in God's providence and bounty that we have much to be thankful for. Um, and also, as I had a professor said, you know, if you've cut your hand or busted your knuckles on a cattle gate, you don't really have time for an existential crisis. <laughs> that's well uh, said. And and I think so. I think there's something, you know, there's the phrase of touch grass, but, but um, this this is kind of moving beyond that into something deeply important for our age uh, to consider. And it's interesting, too, the kind of I don't know if people are honest when they say this, but the kind of 
despairing decisions they make of that. Well, yeah. there's too many people or there's too much climate change or we're all going to, you know, we're not going to, the human species might not survive. Mother nature's angry, whatever. And therefore I'm not going to have children. Right? right. Artificially decide to not have children or to not uh, be fruitful, right? Not be fruitful, <laughs> right. not, you know, totally do all these other things and maybe keep other people from being fruitful. Sure. Um, you know, let's, let's get this. It's interesting to see that kind of despairing mentality combined, right? This yes. um, turning away from it so much so that, um, you know, that which used to be so obvious is, and, and a blessing is now seen as a possible curse and um, kind of this suicidal, yes. you know, culturally and individually suicidal impulse, um, which really doesn't take into consideration the providence of God. Uh, or his purposes or, for them. That's right. Purpose is exactly what I was going. Like, what is the end of man, right? Like, what is the telos, the purpose of man? And the colic tells us, right, that to give thanks unto thee in thy holy church, right? If you don't have that, like, what are we, why are we doing the things that we are doing? Um, if it isn't so we can give praise to God in his holy church um, as we prepare to meet our judge and live forever in the new heaven and new earth, but we will be connected forever to the bounty that gives us breath in our lungs and food on our tables. If that isn't all interconnected, then I think it is very easy to get off the the, the purpose of life and move into despair. Uh, and we see that in, in, in the deaths of despair in our country, um, particularly, uh, I mean, you know, even over above the 100,000 overdoses we're getting every year, you get into just people who are killing themselves in other ways um, because they have no a big, huge part of that, um, and I think the f the fundamental grounding of it is that they have no purpose, and the only true purpose is here, right? Evermore give thanks unto God and His Holy Church, right? All right, let's talk about Ezekiel then. Yes, great passage. Uh, an epistle from the Old Testament. I always like it just <laughs> always throws people through a loop, but yes, we I love Ezekiel in particular. We don't study him enough, I think, in the church today. Um, but this covenant of peace that God is making with his people and there's, um, the land, right. The, the kingdom in which the people inhabit, um, has been blessed. So there's a peace. There's no longer this conflict and these divisions that I think ultimately point to, um, what's the, what the world looks like without the curse of sin. Right, right. I think that's absolutely correct. Because it begins, the whole the chapter begins with this, the Lord tells the Son of Man to prophesy against the shepherds, the failing governors, uh, to prophesy against the tyrants, uh, the tyranny and carelessness of Israel's governors. Um, and uh, that's bad, right? Your governors have failed you and the people are suffering because of this. And the promise is that God will will take up the role of being the governor. Um, and he's uh, 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 this providential rule is coming um, through the shepherd, right? Through the good shepherd, the great shepherd. And then that rolls into this exactly right, this covenant that's being made, this covenant of peace, um, where the entire world is changed, not just on a spiritual level, but in, you know, again, I don't want to, we don't want to ever have physical and spiritual be enemies, but here it's it's the whole creation is renewed. And 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 made beautiful and and safe and wonderful and fruitful um, by the providence of God. Yep, yep. And this is 
so you see the evil beast cease out of the lands. So yeah. The kind of revolt. So man's supposed to have dominion over the beasts. Uh, this is um, interrupted in both um, after the fall, the land in particular brings up thorns. But then right. after Noah, the animals become afraid. We start eating meat. We get capital punishment. And apparently animals know that we can eat meat now. <laughs> so there's interesting thoughts about like the, um, I'll call it the economy of, of Earth. Um, maybe that's not the best word, um, but the kind of cosmological order we inhabit mm -hmm. um, after the various covenants are cut, right? There's uh, different uh, covenants going on. But um, God's people can even dwell safely in the wilderness, sleep in the woods. Um, this idea of, of total security, of no danger and peril. Um, and then... God's going to make them, his people, and, and this promised land and the places round about my hill of blessing, a blessing. And Ezekiel has interesting thoughts about what the promised land is like symbolically in, right. his, in his oracles. Um, but then there's the showers. So the rains come down, showers of blessing, which there's a bit of a maudlin hymn with that line, showers of <clears> blessing. Um, but it comes from this, this idea right. of heavenly, it's heaven water. Right. So Egypt, the agriculture works by um, flood waters, groundwater, the Nile flooding in and out. And God keeps telling his people when he gets them out of Egypt, you're actually going to have to rely on me for heaven water in the promised land. The, the whole way it works um, is differently, is different. Mm -hmm. And you, there's, a, there's more of a dependence here. There's less, I won't say mechanistic. But you can see how the annual flooding of the Nile has this gives you the sense of control, would make you be tempted to worship the Nile mm -hmm. as as your means of provision. And God instead says, "No, you look to the sky. You look, uh, and not just to, you shouldn't just look to the sky. Look to me." Right. The sky is a symbol of the, of that. Yeah. Well, the yeah the the heavens rain down, and I'm even beyond that. But uh, the the Israelite temptation was to worship. A storm god, a rain god, uh, Baal, to to also kind of make sure that we get that rain. Because if not, <laughs> right. we're going to go extinct. If we don't produce children and produce crops and, and herds, we're going to go extinct. And so here we go. God's correcting this, right? And then and in the worship of Baal, it was a sense in which you could make an idol of him and then control Baal. Right. If you were offering to that idol, then you could make Baal do what you wanted. Um, and this flies entirely in the face of that, right? Where it, it the, the the there's no controlling God um in, in this in any of this idea. There's God will be your governor. He will be your shepherd. Right? It's a very, very different idea. Right. Right. And then you see this Genesis image, the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. That's very Genesis, Genesis yes. 1 and 2, Genesis 1. Maybe. But then you see this, and they shall be safe in their land. This is post-Genesis phenomena, right? That right. there was no peril, um, like what, you know, evil beasts, that sort of thing. They shall be safe in the land. So that's, so apparently there was a time when there wasn't, right? And that's correct. Um, 
there's a time when Israel, uh, when it's emptied out by the Babylonians, when Judah's emptied out, um, you know, wild critters move into uninhabited villages, right? Serpents and owls and jackals and lions and that sort of thing. Dangerous place, right? Uh, kind of almost post-apocalyptic, right? Very because much it so. was post-apocalyptic. <laughs> it was, yes. The revelation of God's wrath. Um, but then. Also, the pagan empires are portrayed as beasts, hybrid beasts. Right. And as Daniel makes clear, and I think it's also in sync with Ezekiel, the son of man, the second Adam, must exercise dominion over the beasts. And that's kind of the beasts are in rebellion against him, but they're going to be brought to heal. A lot of biblical imagery there. But there's a safety in this land. There's a provision in the land and broken the bands of their yoke. So there's liberty in the land. There's a knowledge of the Lord, that God, um, the one true God, the God of Israel is the Lord. And they will also, uh, he will also have delivered him from the hands of those that have served themselves of them. So those that have fleeced them, that have been <laughs> yes. consuming them, which again points to that you mentioned the beginning with the false shepherds and more. And there'll be no more a prey to, a he- to the heathen. So what's interesting is now... Um, Ezekiel has been treating Israel as a flock of helpless sheep. Right. So his idea of evil beasts ceasing out of the land, how what's what's what are we supposed to connect? Evil beasts with what? The heathen. Right. With false shepherds, with wolves. The it's it's this it's a metaphor. The evil beasts aren't necessarily evil beasts. It's this right. idea of Tyrants, heathen, powerful folks that consume, that feed off of, that prey upon God's people who are the sheep of his flock. Exactly Um, right. This is what's interesting because when Jesus shows up in the scene, he starts playing around with all this imagery. I send you as sheep among wolves. Right. Um, Or I'm the good shepherd. I laid out my life for you. Is exactly. Uh, I was thinking John 10, um, where he compares and contrasts himself between the thief, which I again is very much the imagery here of the governors who failed. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and then they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Um, yeah. So that it, this new this covenant of peace is going to come through uh, the, the new covenant, the blood of Jesus. So we're moving on, but just beyond natural provision, the natural right. world to the economy of grace, so to speak. Like, what does actual salvation look like working from these images of the natural world and cycles that reveal to us um, God's salvific and redemptive purposes? Because you can't have a new world without Jesus's death, right? right. I mean, that Jesus is reconciling all creation to the Father in his death. So, yeah, not, the things that are being described here are impossible without the Son of Man uh, conquering the beasts, and he conquers the beasts by being the Lamb of God and dying for the sins of the world. Exactly. And um, this is interesting, right? This is, the sheep shall safely graze, they'll dwell safely. None of them shall make them afraid. It's interesting you mentioned John 10, because that's also where we start looking at, uh, uh, is it the beginning of John 10, the resurrection of Lazarus? My Is my brain misfiring there i don't think Uh, so 
No, the I am misfiring. It's very. It's, it's eleven, fun. isn't it? It's it is eleven. Yeah, um, eleven is. Yes, because what I was thinking. We're coming to it. Yes, yes, yes. Because the right John does this thing where he either puts stuff before, or right after, or sandwiches things in. Yes, <laughs> he does, and it made me think about that because when you're a sheep sent in uh, to uh, wolves and. Uh, you're going into all this opposition, which Jesus certainly faced. Um, and then you're like, gee whiz, what's the hope? The hope is actually victory through eternal life. Yes, you. Right. there's death, but then there's life after death. And there's an immense safety in that new life, that resurrected life is found in Christ. So much so that you're able to have a feast in the presence of your very enemies. Um, right. And and Jesus can say in John 11 to the disciples, you don't need to worry because you're with me and I'm the master of life and death. Right. And that, and that he shows them it by raising Lazarus. Like they they don't have to fear anymore um, because he's the one who makes alive and he's the one who kills. Very, he's God. Yes. Yes. And so what am I do- talking about? This is what's talking about the security and the safety uh, that God provides. Yes. I would say the ultimate end where this goes is hell. Um, for the wicked, right, right, for the predator, they're finally caged up and outside the walls of the city, never to harm the sh- the flock again. Uh, we kind of forget that element of protection of the saints from the wicked that is evident in the traditional doctrines of hell. Yes, and then I want to see go back to Ezekiel. So we see all this flock and herd imagery and dwelling safely, not being afraid. And then I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and there shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. And then that's how they'll know that the Lord is their God, that he's with them, that they're his flock, the flock of my pasture. I am your God. Um, you're men, and I am your God. So here's the metaphor. <laughs> yes. I want to go to that plant of renown. Yeah. What's going on there? Um, I think there's that's a, a common imagery. The the thing that jumps out in my brain immediately is Psalm one. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh I think you know, if we if we if we take a quick look, um uh Blessed is the man that hath not walked in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stood in the way of sinners, and hath not sat in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and it is law will he exercise himself day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the waterside that will bring forth his fruit in due season. His leaf also shall not wither, and look whatsoever he doeth, it shall prosper. As And then it goes into judgment. As for the ungodly is not so with them, they are like the chaff. The wind scattereth away from the face of the earth. Therefore the ungodly shall not be able to stand in the judgment, neither the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, and the way of the ungodly shall perish. And of course, it is it has been the the constant Christian interpretation of that that this psalm is speaking of Christ, right? And it actually again goes back to Genesis because right. uh, Christ is uh, is the tree of life, right? Christ crucified in particular, he's the fruit on the tree of life, um, and we we go to him and find life in him, eternal life. And so he is that uh, that which we need that comes from the garden. But first, we must be uh, set free from the curse of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
if that right. makes sense. Um, Absolutely. There, there was two trees, and we decided to not wait upon the Lord and listen to his instruction. We decided to take the knowledge for ourselves to be his gods, and lo and behold, we leave cursed. And that happened because of bad shepherding, like right? Because yes. Adam allows the allows Satan to enter the garden that he's supposed to have dominion over, and then allows the Satan to uh, confuse and trick his wife and to confuse and trick him in such a way um, that uh, they try to, instead of being uh, 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 vice regents, instead of trying to be stewards, they try to become God, and it does not work out well. Yep, yep. And so this is, again, God undoing the damage, undoing the <laughs> yes. curse and bringing blessing. So daily provision a picture of in the peaceable kingdom, mm-hmm. but also um, an undoing of the curse of sin, which is the much greater need. Yes. Beautiful passage. Dense passage. Dense, yes. Uh, you know, we run through that. It's like, oh, it sounds very <laughs> biblical. And then we, it's like, that sounds nice. Sounds kind of like a prosperous land. And we actually have to spend a little bit more time working through what's the giant metaphor that's going on through here. Um. Do you want to go to the gospel lesson now? Absolutely. I love this parable, this passage, because it's just the simple teaching that um, when you ask God for a blessing, he's generally not going to turn around and curse you, right? If if fathers treat their own children um, or friends, uh, you know, sinful humans treat friends and family uh, okay, right? They look out for them. They they help them. How much more so the father? And right. it's for something specific we should be asking the father, which we can get to in a second. But the big principle is if man, despite being a sinner, isn't completely stingy, isn't a complete miser, you know, what do you think God is, a good God is? Right, man being evil. Um, and that that's a refrain um, that one gets there um, um, here in Luke and in Matthew uh, and in Mark. This I, that that's a that's a, a, a repeated in all of them. This idea of um, if man being evil will, can give good gifts to his children, um, how how much can the good God do? And it's obviously it's, a, it's an incredible vast chasm. Um, the difference. Yes, and. Uh, this can be a real uh, bugaboo today <laughs> because of the word of faith movement. Sure. You know, you you ask it, God will give it, by golly, whatever it would be, uh, on, on the time frame you'd like, perhaps, or not. So there's this word of faith thing that you can somehow manipulate God. Right. Back to Baal. Uh, <laughs> and, th- yeah, back to Baal. He's a vending machine. I'm going to get something <laughs> from him. Um yes. And that's what it is. It's it's about get you know pulling the lever on the vending machine, um, and not into the not understanding what the greater blessings are. Yes. Um, and what we actually need. But then there's this other side too, uh, where there's a despairing side, where God becomes so malicious and so tight fisted, and we can forget if we go through really hard, dry periods times of immense suffering in which we um, feel nothing but the absence of God, 
that this can seem like a cruel joke. This passage, you know, this is mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. Um, Jesus is lying here. You know, I'm trying to get to the very dark, dark yeah. side here. This is what some people feel about this passage. Um, he's disappointed me. He's not. He hasn't been good on his word. Um, what do we do with this? Well, Jesus is actually saying God actually does have good involved here, and that's a really hard question, right? That's a yeah. That, that... That's a really hard issue to come to terms with in our in our maturing in Christianity. I th- I think so. I think some of it comes down to people are used to getting their way. Right, mm-hmm. we're 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 sort of the Burger King culture, like you know, special orders don't upset us. I expect my God and my church to to do what I say and give me what I want, um, or I'll go someplace else. Um, there's that sort of sense of it that moderns are very very entitled, um, and oftentimes what the Scripture shows us is that God is answering our prayers with with a no, and we actually need the no, and God knows what He's doing. Um, uh, aspect of 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 how of how prayer works prayer is about aligning our wills with the father's will right that that you know when we actually say on earth as it is in heaven we really mean it um and so i think that's an aspect of prayer that often gets gets left by the wayside um but i think also here there's there's definitely uh uh jesus is trying to get us to remember that we are to pray not just once or twice but to keep praying right to keep praying for things um, and that that's also part of the aspect of of prayer um is to continually go to our father with 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 our needs uh, and our thanksgivings and and, every, and all the rest of it but especially with our needs um and to continue to come yep and this is what's interesting too because then what do we need most of all what do we need to be asking for the most and what and what 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 does Jesus want us to be asking for? We need to be asking our Heavenly Father to give the Holy Spirit to us. Right. And this, uh, I've, I've shared this many times on the podcast where people are sick of it. But this was kind of an atomic bomb on like my devotional expectations and theology. Um, this concept, this thing that Anglicans do in our prayers, we're always asking God to give the Holy Spirit to us, to take not away the Holy Spirit from us. We do it twice a day right and morning evening prayer we do it in ordinations we do it in confirmations we do it in baptisms we're always asking and here we're doing it again and we do it in uh, ascension day and pentecost and this is the lead up and may, I, can i diverge into the theme that's unfolding in the church calendar please do please do yes absolutely we're getting ready for jesus to ascend into heaven after 40 days after he resurrects from the dead where he's going to go, he's going to go to the Father and right. beseech that the Holy Spirit be sent to indwell the church. He's our mediator. We're asking in his name that the Father give us the Spirit. And what's also interesting, too, is even before he leaves, Jesus spirates the Holy Ghost into and upon the apostles. Right. So, haha, feel you okay? Fun times, but more <laughs> importantly, um, this idea of because Jesus is gone is going about to go to the Father, 
Uh, he's about to ascend into the heavenly places. And then what follows the ascension? There's the Sunday after ascension, and then there's Pentecost. Right. We're looking towards Pentecost in which we do receive the Spirit, but we ask the Father for the Spirit. And again, this is Luke, right? Luke, right. the author of Acts, uh, that tells us about Pentecost and the laying on of hands later on at Antioch that uh, we base uh, some of our theology of confirmation upon. This asking for the Spirit um, and this sending of the Spirit, and we need to—it uh, comes— uh, we ask the Father, and the and the Son asks for us, and so we're doing this in Christ. Um, that's amazing. So, some really important theology for both understanding the Trinity and and just the Christian life in general. Uh, to to be asking God for His Spirit more than anything. If we need anything, if we need rain from heaven, how much more do we need the life giving? Holy Ghost to breathe into our breath uh, nostril into our nostrils the breath of life, the new life, right? The new life, this new creation, the new man. Yeah, and so that's that's a big, I won't say payoff, but that's <laughs> a, a a big focus and theme. Um, of of this. There's a big focus on the theme of this rogation tide. That's right. Which you lose if you get rid of Thursday Ascension. Ha ha ha! Get him! Real shame. Get him! Real horrible shame. Yeah, if you sort of create some a special Ascension Sunday, you lose this whole beautiful cycle and the connection between your ascending Christ, who is our only advocate and mediator, who supplicates, and we send our supplications to. You lose all that 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 you know. Oh, it's it's only like you know. 1600 years of, 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 of christian tradition but you know it's hard to go to church on thursday so we we're just dump it is a bad attitude um much much better to uh uh, uh to to draw people's love to this cycle uh and the necessity of it um and how it has um uh, uh helped christians for generations to understand um, they're the the providence of God, and more specifically, the saving providence of Christ and His Holy Spirit reigning on earth until He returns. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, that dominion. Yes. So the kingdom, the the dominion of Christ, actually expands uh, when His church, filled with the Spirit, goes out into the world uh, proclaiming his gospel and baptizing them in his name, teaching them all that he taught and bringing them into the kingdom so much so that his domain, in, you know, increases. His domain is right. the whole earth. In fact, that picture of promise and blessing isn't just this little square, you know, <laughs> yes, that's right. square mileage of, is of uh, you know, there in the Levant. Right. It's... Uh, it's this humongous thing that's taking over the world. Right. Um, and the renewal of the world, and it's the dominion there, and how that is achieved is through the blessing that comes from the Father. Um, which we pray for, we which it. we supplicate yeah. for, yeah, which, which we ask for, we rigore for. Right? Yep. And that's, the big pay, that's one of the big payoffs for Rogation Tide. Yes. Is, is understanding who's in charge here, God is. And <laughs> yes. it's good. That's a good thing. It's a very good thing. It's the best thing. 
Did you have any other thoughts on the no. on the day? No, I think that's I think that's uh that's beautiful. Uh I think I think that that says it all. Yeah, so if you're at an Anglican church, um oftentimes it just depends on where you are. If you own the space, whatever, uh how what church life looks like. But the idea of proclaiming space, you know, for God is a very powerful one. Uh and I think as we kind of enter the age that we are in, it's going to be important to kind of assert that reality to the world. Yes. And uh, in this, I'm just, I'm commending, if you'd want to do rogation processions, that's, that's a great idea. Even if you don't make it a point to meet together, to worship, to zero in on the themes of the rogation days and to really reflect upon the Lord's dominion and provision. Yes. It's a good way to be. And and it's all there. I mean, the, the litany is such a great thing to say during these these days, because again, it, it gets you into praying for things that you would never ever have necessarily think about praying for, praying for your enemies, um, uh, praying for your leaders. Um, they need all the prayers they can get. All those kinds of things are there. And we and we just have to humbly bring ourselves to it um and and uh, and ask, supplicate. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Father, for spending time with us. And for those uh, listening, I hope this has been helpful to you. Next time we have a proper podcast, we're actually going to do a national holiday. Uh, we're going to do Independence Day. Yes. All right. Until then, God bless. God bless. God bless.